For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Plana Edmonds. And today on the pod, I'm super excited to introduce my guest today. He is the 2009 junior champion, 2012 Four Continents bronze medalist, and two-time U.S. silver medalist, Ross Miner. Thanks, Ross, for coming on today. Thanks for having me. You had a pretty successful career, especially in the men's field. It's difficult to keep up with the technical difficulty that's required and you had quads in your arsenal what are your thoughts about the new wave of quads right now in men's skating and how everyone's doing them like what do you think about the learning process for quads and the difficulty of it and the timing of getting that quickness and seeing so many men get it down now yeah um so I think I sort of, my career was a, an interesting time period in men's skating. Um, when I first came onto the senior international scene, you could be competitive with two triple axles if you skated well. And for a while, that was kind of like what I was focusing on. And sort of as I moved along, it just really quickly became apparent that like you need a lot of quads to, to keep up with a guy like Yuzuru or obviously Nathan when he, when he came along. Um, and I think, I think for me, I, I kind of, I missed the boat a little bit as a skater. I, I started a little bit too late on the quads because it, it took me a long time when I was younger to like focus and, and pay attention and, and take all the good advice that my coaches were giving me. Even, even a guy like Patrick uh, Chan with his two quads, he had to be, perfect and 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 I you know he was my one of my favorite skaters to watch that I competed against but you know guys like Patrick and and Dice K they probably would not be as competitive now and and that's crazy to think about when you when you think about where men's skating has gone and just definitely in in the sort of 10 years that I was senior kicked off in terms of uh what these guys do it's incredible I watch Nathan Chen and I'm in awe even competing against him, I was always like, yeah, okay, yeah, he's really good. And he works hard, too. That's the other cool thing. He's not just, like, super – he is super talented, but he also <laughs> works his butt off. So I, I always respected that about him. Yeah, totally. 
it is interesting to think about how there are some skaters who are just super talented and they can just like pull things out of the hat so to speak mm-hmm. and then you have the other side where there's super super hardworking skaters maybe not as talented but they you know the work really shows and the consistency mm-hmm. and everything and then you get somebody like Nathan who has both and it's just like out of the water yeah absolutely so in 2018 you were competing to make the Olympic team And I know that was particularly a difficult year because you did so outstanding and you did have a quad in your program. I do have to say that queen program was so amazing. I remember being in the arena and it was, it was so electric and just the standing ovation. um, It was just magic that night to be there and watch you perform. How did you feel about your performances at the 2018 championship? Yeah, I, um, like you said, it was, for, for me as a skater, it was probably the most energy the crowd has ever given me. I got off the ice kind of knowing that like I could not have done anything better. My last double axle was a little sketchy. I was really excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in, in general, I think, you know, from a performance standpoint, that was the, hi- the highlight of my career. I'd had performances where I maybe skated a little cleaner, just, a, a you know, not with a quad, but better landings or something. But for a moment that, I mean, I'll remember that forever. That was, that was pretty special. And the way the crowd reacted was great. And Peter is, Peter's Swedish. She's pretty stoic. And he was like kind of tearing up at the end. So that, that was pretty cool. (laughs) Oh yeah. I remember in the kiss and cry after when they were announcing your scores, like the kiss and cry is such a weird environment to be in because even when you skate well you're still super nervous because you have no idea what the judges are going to do like with your performance and when your score came up the relief that was on both your face and your coach's faces like it was just a really sweet moment to get to see yeah so for me personally i was never nervous at that point because i was too tired to (laughs) to really do much of anything but um yeah, I, I definitely remember hearing my score and almost like that moment of, wait, is that actually my score? That's kind of incredible. Holy cow. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I think going into that season, I was, I think I was 27 and I was kind of like, okay, this is, if not the last competition I'm doing, it's pretty darn close. It's definitely the last, last nationals I'm doing. And I've always loved, you know, U.S. Mm-hmm. championships that, that's kind of, always been a pretty good competition for me so it was really cool to have that moment and it was made more special by the fact that I kind of knew it was going to be my last one yeah totally so you ended up not being selected for the team even though you were the silver medalist with a quad and there were three spots do you know what the criteria was for the selection and why you weren't picked for it well um you and I both got the same like 40 page document at champs camp <laughs> um, does anyone does anyone read that <laughs> so i actually did like because those meetings were always rather long and it was sitting in front of me so i would like peek through it but you know i think i kind of got into the weeds of like how everything works afterwards and basically the united states olympic committee requires that every governing body has a set of criteria to determine who they're going to send to the Olympics. And to me, U.S. figure skating wrote a document that was 
purposefully vague so that they could basically do what they wanted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think there are, there are var valid arguments for why you would do that. You know, I, I think like take Nathan, for example, if he's, if he's injured at nationals in 2018 or, or like gets the flu two days before and can't compete, like you're, you're going to send him to the Olympics. Like that's the move. He is a medal contender. Hopefully he will be in, in two years. We're all cheering for him. But, uh, you know, I think basically the, the, the criteria was talking about body of work and, and they had three different categories of events in different tiers and I had beaten some people at some and they had beaten me at others. And, and, you know, it was probably always going to be a tight call, but I, I do think as an athlete, you kind of get it in your head that if you work hard and you do what you're supposed to do, you'll be rewarded for it. And I think as a male figure skater, especially that's easier to hold on to because there's less, there's not less competition, but it's a smaller pool to choose from. Um, and so you kind of can hold on to that. And I was, and I was very lucky as an athlete. I, I, a lot of good things happened to me. I, I got a lot of opportunities. It was, you know, I'm, but I, I do think that was kind of a wake up call. Like, Oh, I kind of did everything I thought I was supposed to do at nationals. Mm -hmm. and, and didn't really feel like I got rewarded from it for it. Um, again, nothing can take away how I felt when I skated and that's kind of what I tried to hold on to. Yeah. It's so interesting because like you said, with the way that the rules are written, it's, it's so vague and it leaves a lot of opportunity to manipulate, which is mm -hmm. basically what happens a lot of the time in skating politics. Right. But, you know, with three spots for a team, I feel like the the common gist is that they usually have a heavy favorite for maybe two of the spots and the third spot is always wide open. Yeah. Um, you know, anybody who skates well on that day is going to make the third spot. And that really didn't happen in your case where, yeah. you know, in an honest way, the person who delivers on that day should get it. And it was, it was really, really shocking to see your name left off the team after the killer performance that you had with your own background and your experience, right? It's not like you were a completely new skater. You did have a background basically like 10 years in the sport with a lot mm -hmm. of stuff to show. So talk about kind of how you dealt with that. So to be honest, the thing that bugged me the most about it was that I was like second alternate. Yeah. I was kind of I like, cause I was, I think I was behind Jason and you know, Jason is a, fantastic skater and he keeps getting better. I've been loving his programs you know, the last couple of years. He's seriously improved. It's been really cool to watch, but at that nationals, I think I beat him by like 20 something points. And, you know, like, like you said, when there is a heavy favorite, if you read the USOC's rules, it's like you send our goal is to get as many medals as possible. Okay. Awesome. When you have people who are not going to contend for medals, then maybe you do something a little different, you know, reward the guy. I don't know. I don't write the rules. I just tried to follow them. <laughs> um, <I agree>. yeah. <laughs> how did I deal with it? To be honest, a couple of weeks and I didn't want to talk about it. And I didn't, I didn't really process it until probably like last year. I just didn't really deal with it. I kind of like push it out of my brain and 
you know, I, I think one of the things that helped me was Peter. I remember Peter telling me one time, like, he's always really good with perspective. He's just great at that. I remember just having a conversation with him saying, did, did you think that was going to make you happy if you had made the Olympic team? And I said, well, I don't And he's like, look around all the people, you know, that are Olympians. Does it necessarily make them happy? Are they happy people? And I was like, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I can, I can deal with that. Some are, but that's mm, definitely is not like a, a magic bullet. So, you know, I, I think I got a lot out of my skating. I learned a lot from it, but, um, I did not need that to, to validate me, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I like what you said there because with, with teams and with, you know, making goals, every single athlete wants to go to the Olympics. Right. And when we're putting so much time and effort into the sport, it is a big deal to be able to just even get there, not necessarily, you know, be a contender for Mm -hmm. the podium, but just to be in the field, it's like, this is what I've worked for. And so it's such a burden to carry when not only does it like not happen because of your fault, but it, 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 there's different factors that are flying around. And for the Mm -hmm. federation and judges, like, you know, they need to know that as athletes, we are working our whole lives to win, to make the spot. And even if we Mm -hmm. smile on the pedestal behind closed doors, you know, when we go home from the competition and it's just us, it's really hard to deal with knowing that, people don't make the team just because, you know, there's manipulation going on. Um, yeah. And, and I, I do think, I do, I do want to say like, I don't necessarily, I don't always, I wouldn't characterize it as like for me in my situation as manipulation. I just think it was intentionally vague. And I remember having conversations with people at us figure skating before my last year saying like, Hey, you know, if I do this another year, like I want to know I have a chance, you know, and them saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Mm-hmm. turns out probably didn't have much of a chance with the way things panned out. Um, and, you know, to go to your point about what, like as a kid, and I think this really helped me, I really wasn't like the kid who's like, I'm going to be at the Olympics someday. I just kind of liked skating and I really liked training and, um, you know, I liked getting better mm-hmm. once I got to, and I'm sure you went through the same thing where you, you got good. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I want to be here again. This is cool. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, I was not that kid. I was talking to to Mark about that a while ago. I was like, I was not the kid who got up and was like, I want to go to the Olympics. I was like, this skating thing's fun. I get to do tricks. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But I, I think it's also, it's really cool to have the perspective now after, you know, talking with your coaches about you know, the happiness level of would the Olympics make you happy and look at other Olympians and does that like have any effect Mm -hmm. and that's actually it's an interesting perspective that I have also started to learn like from stepping away from skating where this past year I officially retired Mm -hmm. and I like just started living my life and a, a big part of the process was like thinking about all the stuff I thought I would be missing by stepping away from skating all the opportunities and watching like other skaters go and win things and be like, oh, like I could be there. I could get this opportunity. But then looking at it as Mm. what do I get to do now? Like how happy I am with life and all of the different activities. Like that's what I always dreamed of when I was skating, like having the freedom to 
do fun things. And that's also something I know all of those skaters want as well and are waiting for when they finish their careers. And so like realizing that and taking the perspective of, okay, I don't need skating to make me happy and I don't need results to make me happy, but just doing the fun things I always wanted to do is gonna like be enough. I think it's it's a really important mm -hmm. thing to come to terms with. And it sounds like that's something that you have also experienced. I I think it was made easier for me by the fact that I was not going to be doing what Nathan is doing. You know, that there's no way that my 27 year old body was going to do. I can't, how many do you do? Five quads now in a long term. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think, so many. and, and, you know, I had a lot of kind of nagging, not nothing like horrible injury wise, but just stuff where it was like, ah, getting out of bed kind of sucks right now. And I would warm up for like five minutes when I was 18. And then it would take me like, you know, an hour in the gym to kind of get moving once I got a little older. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know about you, Polina, but for me, the thing I miss or I missed the most when I quit was training like with my friends. I always had, you know, when I was younger, especially I had some really good friends to train with. And then when I got older, Heidi and I were skating together and, and that was always fun that was what I missed. I mean, did you miss that? Or what was, what was the thing for you that was, was difficult to let go of? Yeah. I think in the transition of like moving from being in skating training to just starting something new, it was definitely both the community, like you're saying, but also the thought that the structure wasn't going to exist anymore. And that day in, day out, like everything that I was doing for skating, like was going to lead me somewhere and I really trusted that process and now it's like mm -hmm. how do I structure my day and is the stuff I'm doing going to lead me anywhere I have no idea yeah. it's like we need life coaches <laughs> yeah exactly we let's need call Adam's to... mom doesn't she do that <laughs> let's call Kelly <laughs> Kel Kelly can come yell at me I could use that sometimes <laughs> yes please honestly but yeah I would say like and from what I've talked to with so many skaters is that the transition out of competitive skating is really hard. Mm -hmm. So what has your experience been with it? I needed to grow up a lot. I, as a skater, especially a single skater, you spend 20 years or how, I mean, for me as a guy longer, 20, 25 years, 20 years, basically being like the center of your own little universe and, you know, everything revolves around getting you to the next competition healthy and, and with the best possible training, my parents tried to make like my whole situation as perfect as possible. Um, and like you said, like you always had a plan of what you were going to do that day and what the, what the next step was. And, you know, Mark and Peter were really good, especially as I got older about trying to make me make more decisions on my own. But yeah, definitely when I finished skating, it was like, oh, you know, everything is your decision. You need to do things that are going to get you where you want to go. And, and when you screw up, eh, well, that's, <laughs> that's on you. So yeah, I definitely think not having the, your whole life revolve around getting to the next competition or, or preparing for the next season was definitely different for me. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I did not, it took me a while to do that because I just didn't process anything. Yeah. Did you, when did you start going to school? Was that after 2018 or were you already in the process before that? So I started, uh, I think 20, 
16. And I wish I had done that earlier that, so I definitely was of the mindset when I was before that, like, Oh, I can't handle more. This is too much for me. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that the, like the, the weight of responsibility of school probably would have been a, a bit of a gift to me to have to like do something else. Because as a, as a person who's just skating, when you have a bad day at skating, you have a bad day. Yeah. And that's not a great way to structure your life. So I think, you know, you went like full-time, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Christina Gao did that too. And that, that to me is like, like totally crazy. Um, <laughs> Heidi does that. Christina. Yeah. yeah. I love Christina too. It was her birthday two days ago, Sunday. So. Oh, she's the best. Her text. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> but uh I think for me, going to school earlier would have been good for me. I also think it would have helped me a lot to be exposed to the real world a little bit more. I was so nervous to go back to school because I was homeschooled from sixth grade on that going back to school was like, wow. Uh, um, yeah. What was that like? Did it affect you at all or were you fine? Um, so I ended up doing classes at Harvard and my one of my well, my best friend, uh, Harrison Choate was at Harvard at the time with Christina. So I like knew people there and, you know, I remember that like my first class Harrison, like <laughs> walked and met me and was like, how's it going? I'm going to take a picture of your first day of school. Cute. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he was making fun of me, but you know, I think I had not used my brain for a while. So it was definitely like, uh, am I going to be okay at this? And, and yeah, I'm fine. It it was definitely like, uh, I have not done this for a while. I also don't have any of that. I think you must get it from going to high school when like a teacher asks a question and just no one answers. I cannot handle that. It like makes me Why? so, because it makes me so uncomfortable. Cause it's like, as a coach too, you like you, it's the worst when you like ask a relatively easy rhetorical question just to like get the conversation going. So the kids are paying attention and everyone just sits there and you're like, oh my God, it's a three turn. I asked you, you just needed to say three turns. So as a skater or like as a coach, it it totally, like I have no patience for that. And then I'm in a classroom and it takes all of me not to just be like, oh my God, guys, come on. Everyone knows what he wants us to say. Can someone please just answer it so we can move along? I'm here to learn. (laughs) So I think you must get that in high school, but I definitely did not get that. That's so funny. I've never even really thought about that, but it makes total sense because now that I'm remembering like being on the other side, giving presentations, mm-hmm. and if you ask a question to a bunch of bored looking students and then like nobody wants to participate, you're just like, cool. This sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I have no like no uh, tolerance for that. Yeah. I really, I think it's super interesting that you said like the whole point about if you have a bad day with skating and all you're doing is skating, it just makes the whole day bad. I never thought about it that way. But um, now that I'm thinking back, yeah, having to a double mm. life, so to speak, where you're in school and then you have skating, it's like, even when I would have a bad day or bad morning session, yeah. and then I would go to school, I would be sitting in class, like maybe the first period I would be like, still like fuming off my (laughs) my bad practice but then everyone else around me is just like doesn't care yeah like they have no idea what's going on and so it kind of melts away the pressure I guess of skating Mm -hmm. and then I completely was just like relaxing and so that last hour of school when everybody's like super antsy and they just want to leave I was like 
make this hour last as long as possible because I have to go back to the yeah, rink so after this. Go back to the rink. Yeah. Oh, I have another, I have a question for you now. Oh yeah. So you, <laughs> your mom was super involved in your skating and, and so was my mom would come and pray laps of her rosary beads while she was watching me, hoping that I wouldn't get injured. The other thing, <laughs> the, the other pressure of that was, was not only was it like a bad day if I had a bad day at skating, but I also made my mom's day bad. Did you ever have that too? Oh, absolutely. It was yeah. connected. Yeah. So you're like, even if okay, I not didn't want to have making... a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it's like, I, first off, I have to say my mom is wonderful. She's the best. And she always tried to do everything perfect for me. But it took her a while to understand what I was talking about when I would say that. Yeah. No, I mean, same. I feel I love my mom. She's a she's a big teddy bear that turns scary when she's a coach. But other than that, <laughs> she's really fun. Um, but yeah, no, even yeah. I, I definitely remember times where I that's one thing I wished where since my mom was my coach, skating followed us mm -hmm. everywhere, like even going home. Yeah. And I would always think like, oh, if my mom wasn't my coach and I just had a bad day at the rink, I could at least like go home and like have like, you know, the, the loving, caring You're family. Like, mom, I had a bad day. Yeah, they're like, let me yeah. hug you. My mom's like, no, <laughs> go to your room. <laughs> my, my mom was not, my mom was not like that. She was, she, she was, she knew a little too much about skating, but she was always very supportive. Yeah. She, she was not. But we would get in the car, I remember when I was younger and she'd be like, so I saw Peter got upset at you. Um, or, or, or she would say, how was your day? And it's like, you, you watched my whole day, you know, like I yelled at or like, got in trouble because I, you know, was being stupid and popping or like doing the wrong jump because I did that a lot. You know, she would ask me how my day was and I'd say, you know, well, you kind of watched it. Well, why do you think it was like that? I can't deal with this right now. I need, I need like an hour to not think about skating before I start analyzing how my day went. True that, honestly. That's funny. I know. I feel like it's, it's, it's interesting to look back and just, yeah, think about the way that my whole family was impacted by like my skating, both training wise and competition wise and results wise and stuff. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. My, my parents moved from Vermont to Boston, which is about three hours to basically facilitate my skating. And so, you know, that, that also, they never, ever brought that up as, um, something to add pressure to me, but I always knew it. You know, I always knew I had kind of moved the whole family. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to think about. I actually was just having a conversation with my dad the other day um, about my family was like thinking about moving to Los Angeles when I was in like going into middle school because my dad had a job opportunity out there, um, but he didn't end up moving there and he just flew there like every weekend or something yeah my dad would drive to vermont <laughs> for business yeah yeah and i was like what that's you're you're taking a flight six hours like every week why don't we just move there and he said because the amount of time it would have taken you to get to the rink whichever like rink they thought would be best for me to train at the best coaching it would have taken longer than me just hopping my hour flight to LA. And I was like, Oh my God, like the commute yeah. of skating. <laughs> yeah, no, my parents, so my parents did everything to help me skate, which I mean, yeah, it's crazy when you think about it, but it made me happy and they were happy to do it. So, you know, I yeah, think that's, same. that's cool. It's really important to have a good support system. Mm -hmm. I think it's vital. Like I could not have been yeah. anywhere near as good. I mean, not even just, you know, the financial and the logistical stuff, but the, 
I remember, um, I think it was my first senior nationals or the, what would have been my first, I really hurt my ankle right before it. And I remember saying to my dad, like, like, what if I don't ever come back from this? Like, what if I'm just, this is the last thing I, and he's like, Ross, you are so much better than we ever thought you were going to be. So like everything now is just icing on the cake. If you're having fun, go for it. And I was like, wow, that, thank you. That takes a lot of pressure off. That's so awesome. It's also something that I never realized like was so important. Like you just said, it was vital. I was talking to another skater that I grew up with skating. We competed since we were like seven. Um, she was from Los Angeles and she was telling me, you know, her, the way her support system went was much more of a negative mm -hmm. influence where she wouldn't have positive reinforcement, but more so, you know, like mm. all your competitors are better than you, like that kind of mentality to spark motivation. Um, but in turn, like now when she looks back on skating, she's just kind of like, yeah, I don't want to go back versus like my own experiences. I yeah. like, I loved the whole process, even when things didn't quite go the way I would have wanted them to. Like, I'm so thankful that I had the positive reinforcement from my mm -hmm. family. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I, it was always a goal of mine to not leave skating bitter. Mm -hmm. And obviously the way I did leave skating, it made that more challenging. But, you know, I, I think that having the, the support structure, including Mark and Peter, including Heidi, including my friends when I skated um, and my parents made that a lot easier to do. Yeah. Knowing that, that, that my skating did not define my worth as a person for other people really helped me. I think it took me a while to figure out that my skating didn't define my own self-worth. You know, I, I think in a sport like we have, you, you, you constantly are working as hard as you can, not knowing if it's going to, you know, not know, you're not, you're not going to get a time. Someone's going to watch you and say like, Oh, I liked that. I shouldn't say I based what I thought of myself on how other people thought of me, but I, when I was training well, I obviously felt a lot better about myself than when I was struggling. Yeah. It's just harder. I mean, I think that's, that's the nature of, of skating. You know, I, I think like for the last three years of my career, everything except for, for the last season, I was working just as hard those other years and just not having the results through injury and, and lack of confidence. And, you know, you're, you're doing all the right things, but it doesn't always always happen. And so I think, you know, having that support structure that's kind of in your corner, no matter what is, is so important to, you know, stick with it and, and get something out of it that's positive. Yeah, I totally feel that. That was actually one of the biggest realizations that I had uh, going to college was that the friends and the community that I was forming for myself in a separate environment from skating didn't care at all about the results that I was getting, even when I was being like competing the first two years of college. And I was really mm. hoping for the 2018 Olympics, but you know, like they, whether or not I made the team or did well was not at all something that they valued. No, I, mean, I feel like people are just like, wow, that's cool. You're there. Like you're competing for that. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then same, like once I kind of took a step back. Or like, damn, you're on TV. Exactly. It's like not, they don't understand <laughs> yeah. the scope of what's going on. And that makes it a lot yeah. better because it takes the pressure off. Um, but at the same yeah. time, you know, like I, I also felt a lot of my value as a skater was like through the results that I was doing. And then 
Mm -hmm. um, stepping back and realizing that even the environment at my ice rink with the coaches that are there and all of the kids that are there, even with me taking a step back, I was still getting the same amount of like respect and curiosity of what I'm doing with mm -hmm. my life now and stuff like that. That was really, really nice to feel. Crazy how quick it fades yeah, though, isn't it? It is. Are you at the point yet where like kids have no idea who you are? I feel like for sure if I walk in somewhere, like nobody's going to know unless they're told. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the rinks, the rinks in your area. Yeah. But like, yeah, <laughs> I remember like, it was so quick. It takes like two years. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, but you're not Nathan Chen. Like, no, I'm not. You're right. <laughs> I know. I feel that. It was also bad because there were a couple, we were, you know, it was the number of times I was on a podium with like Jeremy Abbott, Ricky Dornbush, Grant Hochstein, me. And it's like, like, pick us out of a police lineup. Try. <laughs> like we all are like same, same color hair, same color skins, like just, you know, pale dudes. <laughs> I guess Ricky gets some Southern California. Hashtag tail dudes. Like, yeah, Ricky, Ricky out here, <laughs> physics guy, getting the tan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I miss him too. Man, what a blast from the past. Yeah, he, I think he, I think he's back in, uh, he's back in, in LA. From what I heard, he was in in uh, Austin for a while doing something financial. I get really confused when I talk to people about stuff like that. About the finance? Aren't you an econ major now? Econ major. <laughs> Wait, so talk about how you chose what to major in. Because did you, yeah, um, like, what was that process like for you? I, okay, so I basically just kind of enjoyed econ and I figured it was a relatively um, broad field where I could use it for a lot of things. Um, and I ended up taking, there was one course in particular that I took that was just really, really interesting. Almost killed me. That was really a lot of math that I was not ready for when I started the course, but figured it out. Um, it was about like this branch of economics called game theory. And uh, it was basically using game theory to explain why humans do nice things for other humans, like why, why you would be altruistic um, how it's actually beneficial to you to do it. And it was very interesting. It, so I was like, oh, maybe I like this field. And then I got into it. Yeah, wow. sorry. <laughs> that was very in-depth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's good. That's, that's cool. Because so many, so many skaters move into the direction of um, schooling and what they want to do like in future career. Mm -hmm. And people just have no idea like what they're even yeah. interested in. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, like I said, I wish I had started a little earlier it would have probably made it easier for me to jump into more th to, to be able to feel like I could get into more things. I, I definitely did not feel very comfortable with, with math. It's kind of hard homeschooling and math. And then I, I'm really bad at math. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. You were never homeschooled though. <laughs> were, you? were you homeschooled? No, I wasn't. Yeah. And I was not homeschooled. My dad wanted me to take calculus for so many years and I said, no way. I, so <laughs> I had the same, like, and I, my goal for myself was like, I will complete two semesters of calculus. I will figure it out. And I got it done. And it actually, I, I think I got an A in both of them. I know I got a, I got a B in calc too, but that's okay. But I, I definitely went into that like college thinking like, oh my God, I haven't taken a math course since high school. It's been what, like seven years since I've done math oh my God, how do I do this? I forgot how to long so divide true. at one point. 
I was, I was like, what? Yeah. Use a calculator. <laughs> I totally, I feel like if I were to even jump into an algebra class right now, I would be, I would need to relearn everything because. Calculus is better than algebra, I promise. It's less annoying. It's more, it's more, you can use it for more things. I know that sounds stupid, but it's, they make the problems interesting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I trust that, Ross, but. Uh... Yeah, that's okay. Take my word for that's it. That's funny. My dad, my dad will be happy to hear that. <laughs> I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Let's talk a little bit about like the mental side of skating with mental training, mental strength. Mm -hmm. So obviously that's something that is very, very important to being competitive because mm -hmm. when the adrenaline is like rushing through your body, you have to be able to still turn on. But I also feel like it's something that's kind of overlooked in sports. We don't really get that much structure and what to do mental training wise um and we kind of have talks about it once a year mm. at champs camp right but it's not always the most helpful because it's just that one week and then it's up to us to figure out what we need as athletes but it's not really we're not taught like a million different avenues to go in for what's going to work right so how did you feel about yeah so I completely agree with what you're saying. I think I would go further. I would say not only is it kind of overlooked, I think it's in some ways kind of stigmatized. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of skaters associate, like, I mean, I'll, I saw a sports psychologist for years as a skater and I considered it like a vital part of my training. I would go to Harvey Dahlberg mm -hmm. every week, <laughs> like every single week. Um, sometimes even I didn't have enough to talk about. Like you're like, okay, I, I kind of don't know. It's not really training season, but let's talk. But I, I think that so many times in skating, people look at it as somewhere you only go when you have something wrong with you. Where like, I can't perform under pressure. Instead of like thinking, I thought about it as I train my body constantly. And if I can do it once, I can do it in theory every time. What's getting in my way? Well, my my mental training is getting, I have not trained my brain to do it. You know, I think that's a little simplistic of a way to think about it, but it is definitely true that, you know, as a skater, a lot of the mistakes you make are not physical mistakes. They're, they're mental or, you know, I'm not mentally ready for this moment or I haven't pushed myself or I haven't, I, I haven't believed that I could do something when clearly I can. And, and like you said, I think I was lucky because my coaches were pretty, on board with that and you know harvey was actually mark's uh sports psychologist when he was a skater so we had a long history in skating and kind of understood it but it was it was so important to me as a skater to be able to kind of 
work on that aspect of training as well. I, I would make every year a CD I would make um, with my music and me like talking what I was gonna think the whole program. And I would just listen to it every night before I would go to bed. Kind of, kind of, um, yeah, compulsively, but it definitely helped me because, you know, I had like physical choreography and then I also had almost like mental choreography. So when I got there, it was like, okay, I, as soon as the music starts, you kind of just go on autopilot in, in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because the whole autopilot thing, coaches are always telling you, especially when it comes down to competition, it's just muscle memory. Like just mm -hmm. shut off, be robotic. Just like, do, it. do it, just do it. Just do it. And it's yeah. the same thing though for the mind. We have to be practicing the kinds of things we're going to tell ourselves and mm -hmm. you can't get too ahead of yourself. They're always, coaches are always saying, you know, focus one element at a time. Like, don't go too far. As a coach, I don't up. know how many times I've said that. I must have said that. A million yeah, times. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it's so true. And it sounds so simple. But again, people keep messing up. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I, and I also think just, you know, it, in addition to the mental training as a way to improve performance, I think in the same way that you do off ice training to reduce the risk of injury, you should do mental training to like avoid as best as possible, you know, sort of the, the mental injuries that come from doing something as difficult as figure skating and, and being a teenager under that sort of high stress environment. I mean, I think when you as a skater can get through the difficult times, it definitely helps you and, and builds you as a person but they're really hard. Like it's hard. I mean, as a coach now, I, I think, you know, especially with, with COVID it's, it's really hard on these teenage kids. Like this is a tough time for them. And when you can get through it, it's going to, you know, it's going to make these kids stronger, hopefully, but it's, it's tough. And, and to add skating on top of it is another layer. That's just, you know, another stress, but I, I really do think there are a lot of great lessons you can learn from skating. If you, sort of structure it in the right way and you have the right coaches and you know your your family's supportive and and you can get a lot out of it yeah totally i think it's interesting what you say there's a lot of teenagers who are under a lot of stress from any sport that they're participating in or like whatever will use skating right now because that's what we're talking about but it that's another reason why doing things like meditations you know visualization stuff like that is de-stressing it and it's mm -hmm. supposed to be and i like as a skater i hated doing those things because i just get really antsy <laughs> and i i need to move and i need to do things and i was told recently like i'm the kind of person who needs it the most because i'm so antsy yeah. and i like yeah and it was like they're like you need to practice it out of everyone and i'm like oh i guess you're right but there, yeah, it's yeah. it's so stressful and and doing things to calm yourself down and to like find a Zen moment that you can grasp when you are in those stress moments, like later when you're in competition and everything's going crazy. If you can mm. find that recipe of like, okay, I close my eyes, I'm like back on my bed at home and like I'm fine. It's so, so important. And kind of like you were saying, mental training almost stigmatized because I guess if you 
need more mental training. It's kind of looked at as like, oh, you're kind of mentally weak from a competitor standpoint. And we only want strong people. Yeah. But it's just such a wrong way to look at it because it's combination. You you have to be physically obviously trained super mm-hmm. well, but that's gonna amount to nothing if you don't have the mental training to pair it with. And that's what we see so many athletes. They they physically are amazing in practice and then they come out onto the stage and they just can't perform well. I mean, and I also think through your career, it totally changes, you know, as you know, you were young when you came up and I'm sure you didn't have much doubt at that point. You were just like, I am going to skate great. And you did, and you were awesome. And then you get older and it's like, wait, so hard. It's so much harder. I like, I know what it's like to be good. And I know all the good things that come when you are good. And oh my God, wait, I want to get that again. And, and it, it's yeah it's a different feeling to it's a different feeling to chase and be chased i think is yeah. what i how i would say it you know i, I think mm-hmm. and and figuring out how to be good in both scenarios is probably the hardest thing that an athlete has to do as they as they grow up i mean i think you know look at all these kids that are great when they're young and then they don't really go anywhere they don't they don't go as far as you think they're going to mm-hmm. um and the people who are, you know, like, look at Nathan, I, the, his, he is steely. That's all I can say. He just gets it done when he needs to. I, yeah, that's impressive. Cause he's been good forever. And again, like when he was little, I'm sure he didn't feel the same pressure as he did when he was, you know, at worlds, you know, it's, it's a different feeling when you're the contender than, and again, I've never been that guy. I was never going to win worlds to be able to make that transition is, is so important. And again, I, I think it's part of why mental training is, should be started early and it should be, coaches should talk about it and, 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 and kind of just getting it out in the open and talking about, you know, mental training is really important. You should, you should all, you know, you should be either doing something on your own, even if it's just like get the headspace or, or calm app and, and, do a meditation or go on YouTube and figure out how to like settle down is a start. I think that's awesome. I mean, there's so many resources that are available. Um, I'm not always like you, I get antsy and I have a hard time doing those, but mm-hmm. I try to make myself. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I hope something that more and more people are going to start realizing and pushing for. <sighs> we'll see in the next wave of athletes, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, I was also going to ask you, what do you think about the new wave because of how technical the sport is pushing towards? And now, like, you know, there's so many quads in both mm-hmm. men and ladies skating happening. Um, you yourself were a very athletic skater, but you also had really great presentation and artistry. I feel like now the focus of skating is so technical that the there's kind of a slow loss of artistry happening and less people are really starting to tune into skating do you think that has something to do with it yeah skaters will do what they need to do to be competitive i think so currently the judging system clearly is engineered in a way that benefits if i mean if you can do quads you're going to get a lot of points especially you know multiple quads in a program um second half that kind of stuff I totally agree with you. I think there are few skaters who are truly excellent at the 
presentation aspect of skating. And I think in an ideal world, you would have a mix. You'd have some people that are just great technicians, and then you'd have some people that are good all-arounders, and then you'd have some people that are great um, sort of artists. And that is what was, I guess it was what was out there. I mean, for, for years you had your, your, you know, Katarina Witt was your, you know, explosive skater. And then you have Janet Lynn is the beautiful artist and someone in the middle. You know, I think that that is part of what made skating fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I have, I have no doubt that if some of these people that are doing a million quads had more time to work on their artistry, they would get better at it. And some of that is just, they use their time on what's going to get them the most points. And, you know, like, look at a guy like Jason, he is still relevant despite the fact that he's, you know, he's not doing five quads in a long. And I think that's, that's cool, but you know, he has to, he has to basically skate perfectly every program in order to have his name on the front page. You know, I think that's, I think there should be some balance you know, it took me a long time to sort of appreciate the more artistic side of the sport. I definitely think working with, with um, Lori Nickel and with Janie Isley, that really helped me kind of mm-hmm. appreciate, like, not only how hard it is to be good at that, but how much fun it is to train that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked on it, yes, because it got me more points, but I also just, like, my program at nationals in 2018, if I hadn't worked on that, the crowd wouldn't have been on their feet. They wouldn't, it would not have been that moment for me. And so I think that that aspect of skating is so important because it it really, it is what's going to bring the fans in. And, and, you know, it's a very, it's a very congested market. There are a lot of other things vying for people's attention. And it's great to see that in, in Asia skating is huge. And in Russia, obviously skating is massive. That's, awesome but we need to get it back here and i i do think that you know like i think elage he's a perfect example of a guy who's like kind of modernizing skating and 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 doing something that's a little different and you know i i actually i don't have tiktok but i hear he's a big deal (laughs) (laughs) i know i honestly don't have tiktok either but he's always posting it on instagram too and he's yeah he's incredible to watch we, I think two Skate Canada short programs in a row, we like, he's the nicest guy, but we like hit each other after our um, like warm up pattern at the beginning of the set or the beginning of the six minute warm up. We like bumped into each other like two years in a row. And I'm like, you're going to think I'm like trying to knock you over. It's like, no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's so artistic, but in like a very masculine way, if that makes sense. But it's just, it's special. Yeah. yeah very and, modern. and it's very modern. Yeah. And it's very, it, it, it reaches people who like aren't yeah. going to get ballet. Like, yeah, ballet is beautiful and I love it. And I love watching balletic skaters. You know, Carolina Costner is like, <laughs> she is a god to me. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but, you know, I think someone like Elage, who, I mean, Elage clearly has some ballet training. You, you need that to be that good. But, um, you know, what he's doing reaches a generation of kids who like are never gonna get someone doing like a ballet program yeah it's it's very like his own style but it's Mm -hmm. kind of like what's trendy and popular in exactly yeah 
normal kid culture these days which yeah it's kid very culture. translatable we sound, we sound kid so culture old. i know <laughs> even it's that's what's so nuts to me also is that i always felt like i was the the really young person bringing whatever was trendy to all of the older skaters in the senior division and now i'm just like I don't even I don't want to TikTok. I don't want to see what kids are posting yeah. on TikTok these right. days. And then I'm like, oh God. <sighs> when did I get to be <laughs> where am I now? <laughs> it's worth lately. I turned 30 this year and I don't feel any different, but it definitely was one of those like I, I was do I was on a Peloton ride and I saw the little like Ross Minor 30s Boston and I was like, well, that's depressing. <laughs> no you're in your 30s flirty 30s come on yeah, you're definitely younger than <laughs> if you could improve one thing in the judging system what would you change mm. if i could change that's a good question Belina. i try oh i have so many different things that i would think you about. could say more than one honestly yeah. um i guess Number one, I would find some way to make the judges give different component marks for different components and like actually use them the way they were intended. So if someone can't skate nicely, but does a great program or like does it, you know, has a great performance, their performance execution should be like a nine, but their skating skills should be like a six or a four. Like, I think that would be big. And then I would bump up the factor too. I like that. Cause I think, I think what happens yeah. is everyone just stays in this tiny little corridor and um, you know, it, it, I have never been a judge and I would be an absolutely awful judge. Cause I, it's too wishy-washy for me. I would, I think, I think in like, that was clean. That wasn't clean. I, I need the, like, I can do tech panel. I could not do judge. I think it's, I have so much respect for people who do that, but I think it's, it seems like it's safe to stay in that little corridor of like, oh, this skater is a nine skater. And if they have a good day, they're going to get nines. And if this skater is a six skater, and if they have a good day, they're going to get sixes. And I think that, you know, it's hard when you watch 24 kids go do a long program, but it would be cool to see the different, um, the different components sort of weighted differently or, or used differently. Um, and then I would probably just go in and like change the values of things, but that would probably be a little self-serving. <laughs> just <laughs> those quads worth a little less. <laughs> That's funny. I like triple. Put that points for that one. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a super good point. I think basically what you just said would be a lot more honest judging. I don't think you can win as a judge, no matter what, you're going to make someone angry and someone's going to disagree with you and it's subjective and it will always be subjective. That's part of skating. You know, there will always be differences of opinion and, and that's part of what makes it popular too. It's like everyone can sit there and be like, that judge stinks. I can't believe that East German judge gave her a, a four. What's she watching? Oh my God. Um, and I think that's part of what makes skating fun for people to watch. I mean, it, everyone can be an expert and that's, you know, part of the allure, I guess. But yeah, it would be cool to see the judges be able to use the component marks a little bit more um, freely. And oh, and please, God, make it shorter. 
find a way to make it take like 20 seconds, not three minutes. Cause that is what's killing skating. Just going to say it. <laughs> Commercial break between every skater is too much. It's way too much, honestly. And it's just, yeah, I think that would also be nice to just like know your score immediately and not have to sit there and wait and then start like reprocessing things and be like, you What's really did. I did you? I definitely, I would get so nervous in the Kazin Cry because I never knew if I was going to get like love from the judges or not. Even I no matter how I skated. I don't think I had an ounce of adrenaline <laughs> left in my body to be nervous about anything. I just was yeah. so spent by the end of my program. And yeah. Oh my. I, mean, I, I will say, program, I would get out there and be like, how many doors are there and which one can I get off before I do this? <laughs> <laughs> but then when I was done I was like okay like that was good I don't really care what the judges say <laughs> that's so I yeah I mean relatable but also I definitely I would end the program if I skated well I was like okay like come on this has to be the one that like gets me somewhere but I never understood how skaters like would celebrate so hard after performing just like the the energy wise because I feel like every time I finish my program I'm just like so beat <laughs> and I'm getting off the ice I'm like I need to pass out right now I want to take my skates off in the kiss and cry um and and then I see so many skaters with so much energy my my feet would cramp every single time in the kiss and cry that, that I was like I need to get my skates off now I've done it a few times where I just take my skates off in the kiss and cry and I walk like barefoot back <laughs> mix zone I needed all the, I needed all the height I could get. I had to leave them on. <laughs> oh God. That's so funny. But yeah, it's crazy. Well, last question. Okay. What are you doing now? You're still in Boston. Yeah. I'm I'm still in Boston. Um in my professional life, I'm coaching and going to school. I work with Mark and Peter. Um, that's been an awesome opportunity for me to, you know, basically get to work with all their kids and and learn from them on on the other side so i'm finishing up school and um i guess for fun i've been skiing and playing tennis a lot so finally getting back into some sports and enjoying that that's awesome and you look like you're living life so that's awesome i am trying to trying to get the most out now i never got to take vacations for skating and now i'm just like how many trips can i get yeah okay i have a question for you too how much, when I competed, I would like go to my hotel room and go to the rink and that was about it. How much do you regret not taking advantage of, of being in all these cool places? Because oh I didn't, I was yeah. really bad about No, that. so much. Like that's another thing that I, I look back at in skating and I'm, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to travel to so many different countries and I can say I've been all these places, but then I'm also like, I was there, but I didn't see anything. Like I maybe had half a day at yeah. the end of the week, maybe to go and like yeah. see. And I don't think it would have affected my skating to go, you know, sightsee. No. It probably would have made me skate better, but I was so like, I have to make everything perfect that I didn't really, you know, I didn't take advantage of it. I remember yeah. like I've been to Japan like five or six times and I probably have spent five or six days exploring Japan when I was probably, I mean, I was there for at least two months of my life. 
And I probably spent five or six days seeing this amazing country that I, every time I would go, I'd be like, this is so cool. I got to see more of this. And then I'd be like, but I compete in four days. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, exactly. It's so true. I think, I think it is important for skaters to like have their focus and, you know, not get too like unfocused through sightseeing and whatnot. But at the same time, there's a balance. I definitely think it's important. Yeah, there's definitely a balance and it's important to go and like do things when you do have free time, especially if you don't have a practice in the like, you know, second half of the day or something like that. You have like um, a morning practice. Okay, well, great. You're done at 10. Why don't you go like see downtown Ross instead of sitting in your room and watching Netflix? <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it's crazy to think about. Yeah, like I was in I was in Japan three times and I don't remember going to Tokyo at all, even though I know I went, but I was probably there for an hour. I don't remember even what it really even looks like. And then I was in Kyoto. I remember um, I went sightseeing with Simon. Not here. Yeah. And it was so fun. I remember like we were, we saw the golden palace, which was like the screensaver on Apple. And I was, that's all I could think about was I was like, I'm looking at this screensaver in real life. And then I was like, why, why am I even thinking about Apple right now? Like this is real. Yeah. I, I lucky the, I will say actually, I, I did NHK and then cup of China back to back, but there was a week in between and U.S. figure skating paid for me to stay there for a week, and I trained at Akiko Suzuki's rink. Oh, that, that's fire. That week, I did go to Kyoto, and I did do a little bit of sightseeing, and Kyoto was amazing. But I'm just like, what were you doing? You were in all these cool countries that, like, no one ever goes to. Like, Croatia. I mean, I didn't go to the Dalmatian coast, which people do go to, but you know, this beautiful town. And I think I went downtown like once in the rest of the week, I just spent in my hotel. It's like, what? Yeah. The waste. Exactly. It, that's something I was talking to my mom about actually, because I went to JGP Mexico in Mexico city. Like that was my first. You need to rest. It's way too much altitude. <laughs> I know it, they need to never have that there again. I mean, I love Mexico city, but 8,000 feet no <laughs> not let's sea level people can't handle that no and i was lucky because it was just like a three hour or like a four hour flight because i was in california mm-hmm. but i was hearing from um like the russian skaters or like other european coaches they were saying like oh if like a russian skater gets sent to mexico city it's punishment because it's such a long flight and then it's eight thousand feet like it's it's torture <laughs> well what about champ stamp in colorado springs i hear it's in la or oh. in la now yeah, of the course heck? they make it better when we leave. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have to do my long at like 7,000, what is it, 6,000 feet? And Peter would be like, yeah. okay, don't skip anything. I'm like, it's August. No one else is doing anything. And he was like, <laughs> I know. So and then all the judges would get salty when like we didn't skate well because we were like, we don't train in altitude. We don't this train in altitude. We don't, we haven't been, we, these programs are new what did you yeah why do we have to do this right now and i remember i remember one time i think it was like i want to say 2016 maybe i did my long i did quad sow triple axle triple let's triple toe second axle triple let's half loop single sow and i skipped a spin 
and I got off the ice and Peter was like, why would you skip a spin? I was like, I was going to die. Like I, I literally like my tunnel vision, like vision was clouding. I, I needed a minute because <laughs> Mark and Peter, we like, they basic, like you were expect, you did your programs every day, three times a day. Um, especially when, when I was younger, that was more, we all did that. And, you know, it wasn't ever like, it was never punishment, but it was just like, you did it and you don't stop. Mm -hmm. You start your program, you better finish it. There's no discussion yeah. about that. Um, and like, that's how I trained. And, and so I like never skipped anything in practice. Even, you know, I'd get off the plane from Japan and if Peter would be like, okay, we're going to do doubles in this program, be like, are, are you okay, Peter? Like, is everything fine? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it was, it was good. It helped me a lot. I was glad I did that. But I, I just remember getting off the ice. I was like, that was one I, I needed that minute. <laughs> I needed that like 10 I seconds to spin. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's so funny. I remember like the first year I went to Champs Camp, I did all of the jumps in the program, but I like my choreography was just such a flop because I couldn't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> and I was saving any ounce of energy I had to rotate. Yeah. And the judges were all like, yeah yeah cool jumps like where's the program and so i was like okay bet next year i come i don't do the jumps and yeah, i only cool program the where are the jumps and they're like yeah they were like <laughs> we already know you can skate where's where are the jumps and i'm like i can't win my, <laughs> i just can't my no like the sensation i get when i think of doing a program in colorado springs is like my scalp going numb i don't know why but i just remember every time i would do a program there my scalp would start like tingling like two minutes in i'd be like oh we're in for a wild ride here we go <laughs> you're like when is it over i, I didn't remember the. you don't remember the last minute you're just like i'm no. tired <laughs> everything hurts air is too thin it feels like i'm breathing through a straw <laughs> Through a straw. I like or, that. Or like I'm breathing, nothing's happening. That's probably a better <laughs> dude. Exactly. I can't I can't imagine how people train there. Cause that has always just baffled me. I can't do it. So the the four continents I meddled at was in Colorado Springs. And um and yeah, th that was a testament to Mark and Peter, Peter specifically, or Peter especially, like just making me do my program and then do the second half and then do the program. Like I did so many programs before that competition. I was so trained mm -hmm. and I remember talking to Patrick afterwards and I was like, like, is it easier? Like when you live up here, he's like, it's not really easier, but you get used to it. Like it's not, it doesn't feel better, Yeah. but it, it, it sort of accustomed to it. And actually if you go watch, Adam from that competition. The guy before him was Nan Song, who a Chinese guy. And Nan Song legitimately like needed oxygen in the kiss and cry. So Adam's like skating and you can see Nan Song in the background. So I'm warming up backstage in that little hallway behind uh, you know, between like the the world arena and whatever the other side is. And Nan Song, I'm pretty sure he like fell over and like fell on his face because he was so tired and I just remember Peter looking at me and being like Ross focus on me you can do this don't worry about anything else just look at me and focus and I just remember being like oh 
my God, I'm going to die. And I didn't skate that well, but I was better than everyone else because no one else was trained. So it was, it was Patrick and then Daisuke and then me. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can work with that. That That's awesome. Oh my God. That reminds me of when, yeah, like my, my competition in Mexico, I skated last, dead last. Mm-hmm. And I was the last event, so everyone was done. I was the very last competitor, and I'm watching. I was there with Mariah Bell, and she skated maybe, like, two people before me. But she came off the ice, like, her face just, like, red. And, like, her coach comes up to me and hugs me because she knows I'm, like, I'm so scared of this whole altitude thing. And she's like, Kalina, like, you can do this. So I have David and Mariah's coach, like, both pumping me up. And I'm watching the girls yeah. like finish and they look absolutely dead going into the kiss and cry. There is an, there are oxygen masks in the kiss yeah. and cry for us. There's even ambulances outside if necessary. And I was like, just about to cry. I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm so terrified. And then I skated. I was fine. But like, oh. It took me a long time to realize that like, I was making it so much worse by being stressed out about it. Yeah. Because you as soon as you get stressed out about it, your heart starts pumping and you start burning oxygen being stressed out. And I remember, I think it was Evan Bates was just like, dude, you just got to chill. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I'll try that. And I didn't, I was like, oh, okay, that isn't so bad. It makes it a little better. I know. I think like thinking about how everyone's in the same boat kind of puts things in perspective yeah. too. But, but it was always worse because Peter, like I would see people do like, like, I mean, Jeremy would never have his programs by that point. So he would like play music and like, and I don't think he was actually interpreting, but he would be like, my programs aren't done. <laughs> so he would just like not do a program or not do like do a full program. And I'd be out there like, you know, trying to do quads and triples. And, and that was, yeah, not, not fun, but it did yeah. you get a little sense of superiority from that. I will say. <laughs> Definitely. I always felt good when I could hit things even when I was dead I was like yeah it's August like I'm good (laughs) that's funny I won champs camp yeah yeah. they're always like champs camp isn't a competition and I'm like not to me not to me that's the only way I'm getting through this (laughs) exactly I kind of miss it not the skating part just when we're all in the camp together when we're all just like yeah The, uh, the, the, what is it? The soft serve machine in the dining hall. I think about that. It's an, it's an Olympic dessert. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. That's that and chocolate. That and yeah, I do that. I, I, I I was big on the chocolate milk. (laughs) Simon and I used to go like finish our workout on a Friday and walk, there was a grocery store right across the street and get like a liter and split it. Yeah. I think my last champs camp, I went to CVS like a few blocks down with two of the ice dancers and we got like Haagen-Dazs ice cream pints, just a bunch of like random stuff. And we we're like, this is going to be a good night. <laughs> oh, that's CVS. I've been there. <laughs> I think we've all been there with the Taco Bell. Before. Oh yes. So good. Well, cool. This was super awesome. Thanks so much for all of the insight you shared. And I think this episode is going to be really interesting for all of our listeners so thanks ross for coming on today thank you for having me yeah that'll be i'll be excited to listen to it (laughs) i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode please let me know what you think subscribe to my channel give me a rating give me a review follow me on my instagram that's where i'm promoting this my username is at paulina edmonds and stay tuned for my upcoming episodes keep an eye out for them and i can't wait to talk to you guys next week (laughs) 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.